Let's go, boys. The Street Press Podcast with Sean Fraser. For a start, there are not enough white men doing podcasts. I've got to always support that when that comes along. I was talking to a mate today at a baby queue. We didn't cook a baby. Oh, thank you. Yeah, that yeah. was. I just want to thank you. Yeah, no, it was me. He wouldn't shake our hand until he finished putting on his glove. Imagine what he's like during the pandemic. <laughs> well, I got you here for the podcast after your big night last oh. night, so I'm stoked with that. I get a thrill knowing that you're doing what you're doing. That's good. Well, I don't know what I'm doing today. We're just sort of just winging it. Did you moon Kylie Minogue? Yeah. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Street Press Podcast. Today I have another absolutely cracking episode coming up. One of Australian rock and roll's favourite sons, Mark Gable, will be on the show. Now he is the singer of the Choir Boys, an absolute legend. Someone who I met a number of years ago when I first started out in radio and I was handing out these resumes to all these stations on the Central Coast. I was getting knocked back left, right and centre. It was 2GO that uh, took me under their wing and allowed me to start doing some work experience. So I started going out to some OBs, which are outside broadcasts, and I was giving out some free stuff out the back of the truck. That's where I bumped into Mark Gable. He was working at the station, and I couldn't believe it. There I was. I was hanging out with a legend. Most weekends, as we did those outside broadcasts, he would be on, and I'd be sort of blowing up balloons, cooking the barbecue, doing whatever, and I'd also be picking his brain. And he was, you know, always happy to let me know the ins and outs of the music industry, what to do, what I shouldn't do, that sort of thing. You know, he's always very generous with his time. So when I was getting this podcast together, Mark was actually on the list and I hit him up and I said, Mark, got this podcast, you got to come on. And he was more than happy to do so. And he said, uh, why don't you come around to my studio and we can record it here? And I was like, Wow. Okay, go on to Mark's studio. How good's that? I'll tell you what, like being given the opportunity to be in anyone's studio, their own creative space is such a privilege. It's such a, a special thing, let alone being in a legend like Mark's studio. It was, uh, I was really stoked that he let me in there and we chat about a lot of things in this podcast. We spoke about the band getting naked and recording songs. So one of the songs that they ended up recording naked ended up being a single. <laughs> so... So yeah, I'll, I'll let you know which uh, which song that is coming up in the interview. And we spoke about Run to Paradise, obviously the band's biggest hit. I believe they've got a lot of big hits, but it's obviously in Australian rock and roll. If you love your Aussie rock and roll, you know Run to Paradise. That is one of the big ones. And we also talk about the time that he mooned Kylie Minogue. Look, it's something that he probably, <laughs> probably regrets nowadays, but... Uh, yeah, he's probably not on her Christmas card list anymore. It's something that happened a very long, long time ago in a studio, and that is part of this interview as well. How about we bring him on? This is my interview with Mark Gable of Choir Boys. Here we are, Mark Gable, Choir Boys, in your studio. I feel bloody privileged to be here. You've got the guitars up along the wall. Yep. This is where all the magic happens. Well, I don't... <laughs> <laughs> I listen to stuff, you know, and as you were, uh, you know, mentioned a song "Rise Up," a uh, "Ride Up," sorry, uh, by Choir Boys, and then we we're just playing it, and I'm going, well, "There was magic happening there, but I don't remember it, right?" <laughs> and so, you know, it's like I'm fiddling around with a song at the moment called "Not Cool," and it's about my second meeting with Peter Copes, Copes from the church when he abused me. I walked into Steve Kilby's birthday party, and so I'm writing a song about not being cool because I don't. I don't want to be cool, mm-hmm. you know, and I don't want, you know, choir boys music or any music I'm involved with to be cool. You know, like one of my favourite artists at the moment or songs is like George Ezra, you know, with Shotgun, right? It's so stupid. I love it. I'll be riding shotgun 
underneath the hot sun, feeling like a someone. Do, do, do. It doesn't do that. But here's the thing. You think it never, does? Right, okay. It's never in the, the song, but when you uh. see him in front of the audience, they go, whoa. <laughs> You've got me stumped there. Yeah. No, no, you're right. It's not you're in right. the song, but everybody thinks <laughs> right. it. Anyway, for what it's worth, I just like it because it's just stupid. I, like, I want to go back to writing stupid songs. Mm-hmm. You know, I really do. I just think that cleverness and all that kind of stuff is like out the window and it's like I listen to songs – and all right, I'm older now, right, but I listen to songs and I go, yeah, it's a little bit complex for me, but where's the song? Where's the, the sim- like, wow thing? They were stupid messages, right? Is simple still the best formula for writing a song, you reckon? I think so, yeah. And I, I don't think anybody does it. So I just, I'm even thinking about the next Choir Boys album being called Dumb Rock. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Is that three chord songs? Well, this, this is a three-chord song. It never changes. i got the verse and the bridge and the chorus over the same chords. So yeah. it still does work. That formula is, is fine for songwriting. Well, you know, it's, it was based on the principle that, um, you know, back when they invented blues and rock and roll, like basically on Beale Street, Memphis, they didn't know how to play. They go, hey, man, you've got to play a, you gotta play a, a diminished 12th, you know. They go, what the hell are you talking about, buddy, you know. They didn't even know how to tune the things. Come on. Yeah, you know, no, it was I like do. a bunch of guys that didn't have lessons who were just inventing as they went. When I was driving right over here, I was listening to the Choir Boys. Obviously, I like to get into the mood. Um, I, that write-up song, great song off of Volba. Some good songs on that album as well, Dream On. Uh, yeah. I really, really like the feel of that song. And, and 2003, I think that record came out. What I do remember is whenever I think about a Volva, the drums were recorded in Damien Gerard's still, but I think in the newer studio, and I think that was probably Paul Wheeler on the drums. But all the other stuff was recorded in my bedsit at Elizabeth Bay in the 90s. So all the vocals and guitars and everything you hear were right. done in my home studio. Well, it was in the bedsit, right? Just in a rack of stuff, you know. So it was like, I'm listening to it, I'm going, wow, that's pretty cool. Must have been driven the neighbours nuts. Well, Mark, when we first met, I think it was, uh, I'd say it was nearly 10 years ago now. Yeah. Working in radio, 2GO, the station was called at the time. And now it's Triple M Central Coast. Triple M Central Coast. Or um, Central Coast Triple M. Yeah, one of one Or of Central it. Triple M Coast. That could be it. I don't know. Maybe it's that. Um, when, when we did meet about 10 years ago, you gave me some advice. Do you remember the advice that you gave me? Yeah, I said, whatever you do... Remember that sex is for reproduction and not for pleasure. <laughs> and I think that if you followed that advice, it served you well because it means that you would have coupled up with somebody who's your friend and not somebody that you've supposedly what they call falling in love, which is really just uh, the reproductive um, chemistry happening. No, what did I say? <laughs> you put me off there. Um, no, you told me. I was talking to you. I was quizzing you about music and you gave me advice on – how to release music. The first bit of advice you said to me, at the time I was playing twice a weekend mm. for six months I had gigs lined up and you told me to stop playing. That's um, interesting. I think at the time I was playing non-stop uh, all over the coast and uh, once you play one show on the Central Coast, they don't come to the following Saturday if you're still playing on the Central oh, Coast. Right, right. So I started splitting them up and that really works. I mean, you, you it's can... It's amazing. What an amazing piece of advice. I'm like, <laughs> well, like, when you told me... But that's what I said. That's one of the things. All right. The, the next one was you said that everything 
with your music has to be visual. You have to have a video with yep. basically anything that you release. And at that time, I was just releasing music and wondering why it was just sort of not going anywhere. Yep. And I think at the time you said, just get your phone and start recording bits and pieces and, and put it into a music video. I think your son was doing it at the time. No? Yes, he, he, he she Wonderland. Yeah, great, yeah. Great band. I think you produced that. If, but you were right. Now that I look back... Um, a lot of the, the, the streams that come in, they're pushed on because I've got videos. I've got, I've yep. got videos back in them. And your advice does work. Oh, it's like the, the more bizarre the video, the better, I think. And it's like um, Melinda wants to – she's releasing another original album. And she's like because she's been a female and a good-looking one and, you know, performer, but she's moving away from that. And I'm saying, don't even bother appearing in them. Look what Sia's done. Yeah. She's just done these artworks of videos that um, relate to the song, but it's not, you know, her in front of a microphone going, mm. I'm here singing in front of a microphone. I mean, if you were singing up an, an elephant's ass, right, that would be more interesting. Yeah. But, you know, somebody, you know, just doing a performance. That's why Sears would – they're great, right? Yeah. Um, Elton John was another person who didn't like to put himself in the video clips, really. Elton John in yeah. the later, later, later years. Well, I, mean. I think that there's, there's – film clips are a work of art mm. and I love works of art. You know, it's like Bruno Mars with um, the Lazy Song, I think it is. And it's um, a work of art. It's just a Korean dance troupe, you know. And I just go, I love watching it. Right? I just love watching these things. And there's quite a few out there that are like that. So the more, the better. And yeah, okay, YouTube's not the main platform these days, but it is a big platform, you know, for people to break through. Yeah, you know, absolutely. It does help, you know, because yeah. you always go, I need to look at the artists. You can't see them on Spotify. So you go YouTube, blah, 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 Joe Bloggs, and there they are. Is there a band called or an artist called Joe Bloggs? I'm not sure. It should be. Perhaps <laughs> a name change. Yeah, from Quiet Boys to Joe Bloggs. No, you. Oh, mine. Okay. Sean Fraser, you can go. Joe Bloggs. Joe Bloggs. Yeah. Wouldn't that be amazing? <laughs> Have you seen Joe Bloggs? What are you kidding, like, uh, who's a what's it? No, no, who's a what's it? They're different. Joe Bloggs. He's an individual, man. I don't mind it. Joe Bloggs is all right. Yeah. John Stevens once gave me a, a bit of advice for what I should call myself. Yeah. And he said, look, mate, you've got to get a girl, you've got to be a duo, and you've got to call yourself the Picnics. The Picnic? Yeah. So what? I don't know which one I like more, Joe Bloggs or the Picnics. I like Joe Bloggs. Yeah. Um, uh, because it's weirder, <laughs> you know, because people go, you're fucking kidding, Joe Bloggs. That's what? <laughs> what do you call Joe Bloggs? Joe Bloggs, yeah. It'd be a hard name to forget. Um, <laughs> uh, you're playing gigs again. Yes. Look, but I noticed that you uh, got a bit innovative, the choir boys did, playing the gigs from home, recording them. Here. Yeah, oh, here in, in the, the studio, studio it was. Yep. Yeah, you know, with, with um, cameras up there and, you know. And how did you find that process? Is Love it. You love it? I love it, yes. It's, you know, all done with, you know, eight cameras in here and, you know, all the audio running through there direct live with uh, Will, our sound guy, mixing here or downstairs. And it's like, it's just awesome. Okay, it's small, you know, and they've got to put a drum kit in here, you know, but it's like, it's, um, it's great. And it looked okay in some of the video that I saw. Did it feel weird playing to just the camera no. or felt no, completely? Totally natural. Yeah, yeah. For me, yeah. I love it. And then what we did is we, you know, we multi-track it at the same time. And, of course, you know, and 
record the video at the same time mm. and as well put it up on YouTube. Um, and then we've turned it into like, I think, one EP and one album. So. Well, that's incredible. So just in that one day, you, you were able to get an album oh, and an right. EP and a video and a concert to people. That's right. You know, so it's like it, it really has brought it back to basics. It's like, and I mentioned Wild Thing earlier, the guy that produced that lives locally. And I said, what was it like, you know, when the trogs came in and we get well, they'd rehearsed outside, you know, they'd rehearsed for several days to get it right and we got 15 minutes, three takes and then get the fuck out of there. You know? oh, yeah. wow. <laughs> and that's the way it used to be, right? It was like you didn't have time to fool around, you had to do it. Yeah. You know, and, and you listen to it, wild, you know, and you listen to it, they go, oh, my God, the guitars are out of tune and it's like all out of time and but it's still amazing it's human and alive so that would have been for the choir boys first two albums uh, analog yep. recordings what was the the process there can you can you remember that were you rehearsing for weeks or months before you got yeah. into the studio because obviously the, re- the songwriting and recording process now is is so much easier in the way that you sit at home you plug in strum a few chords loop it and you can come up with uh, you know lyrics over the top but i suppose back then it was a lot harder to do those sorts of things. You had to, you know, get them perfect. Well, it's weird because you sit at home, I suppose, and you wrote the songs. Right? But actually with the first album we did a lot of the writing at home and a lot of it at Albert Studio 3 downstairs, which was a little studio with a little Neve desk. And we wrote a lot of songs there and then went, went and rehearsed them either down there with Lindsay in a tiny little booth or we went up to Studio One and ran through them up there, you know, and started um, bang around, bang around, bang around, getting them right, getting them right. And eventually George comes in and goes, I think we better do an album, you know. So, and then we've, you know, we had enough songs to do the album, right. But I think we were already done a demo and it was quite good actually of the album. because Alex Young, who was George, Malcolm and Angus's brother, lived in Paris and I went over there to promote the album and he took care of me when I was over there for a couple of weeks in France and and he said, what happened to the demo? That was great. The album sucks. (laughs) Oh, well, you didn't like it? Hey? He didn't like the album? Oh, no. And I don't have copies of the demos. (laughs) They're all gone. You know, it's not like it is now. So I go, I need the video and the audio from what Mm. we did so I just download it off YouTube, right? And then I split it up put it through the system, you know, and it's like it was totally different then, you know, 24-track or 16-track or whatever the hell it was back then. And, you know, it's like it's all dead and gone. You know, we're talking 40 years ago or more, right? So it's like, you know, it's all dead and gone. And I hate to hear that. (laughs) That happens. That's that's what happens. That first record, did you guys fund that? No, no. That was an Albert's production. Uh, They signed us to a really terrible deal but the – the terrible deal was, you know, a good deal because you didn't have to pay for the recording. It's all free because they had the studios there. It was brilliant. You just go, much time as you want in the studio, bang, 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 get it all right, get it done, and there was no advance against you. So you started making money from day one. How many songs do you take in to record? Do you have the album uh, start think, to finish or did you have, say, 30 or 40 songs? I think we had about uh, 20 from memory. We ended up with 10, and one was a nude take that was talk big, yeah, uh, drunk nude. Oh, you were drunk? Sorry, I thought you said new. 
No, you nude. Were, you were nude. You no, awful. You're all yeah, we had to do it. We, we wanted to get a vibe happening. We couldn't get it right, so we tried it drunk and nude. So what you hear is talk right. big on that album. We're drunk <laughs> and nude. That is great. I love that story. So uh, just the band nude or the producers too? No, 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 no. No, no just no, the band. No, no not, the, not the producer. That was um, <laughs> Jim Manzi from Old 55. Yeah. And so. what were you drinking? Do you remember? Beer? That? Yeah, on the beers. Do you, okay. When you're in there and you're recording and then you're like, oh, this doesn't sound right. This doesn't sound to the tempo or whatever. It doesn't sound. Yeah. Right. Who's the one that says, um, you know what we should do? Get naked. That would have been mine. <laughs> and it would have been mine to drink the beer as well. Even yeah. though I wasn't a big drinker at all then. And drinking too much doesn't affect how you perform singing? Oh, well, it never used to, but it's, I don't drink yeah. anymore. Um, you know, I gave up 2006. Yeah. Um, I tried drinking last month. So over the period of the month, I had one beer. Yeah. This is over a month, right? Three shots of vodka and two red wines and spent the whole month depressed and mm. tired. So I thought, okay. I, I, thought, I thought I might be able to start drinking again, but it didn't work. Right. It's just like, oh, this is, uh, is crap. Yeah. So you were oh, yeah, obviously aware of that in 2006 and, and, you, and you started, I'll stop doing this. Well, but- I just woke up one Monday afternoon and just – you know, something was broken. So I thought, no more party, finished. And so, yeah, it was just like that, bang. Now, we're talking about nudity. Yes. Um, one of the best masters in Australia, if not the world, he told me once, I'm pretty sure it was you, did you moon Kylie Minogue? Yeah. <laughs> he saw it, I didn't. But I like – and, you know, I, it was a bit unfair because she was being really friendly and everything like that and – but as she so you're going, both in the studio at the same time, obviously Choir Boys yeah. and, and Kylie, yeah. Well, we were cu- actually at that point cutting now or mastering Run to Paradise. Right. And Rick O'Neill, who you're talking Rick about, O'Neill. Is, was cutting the thing and he saw what I did and reminded me, and I vaguely remember doing it, but as she was going out the door, I, I, I dropped my pants and brown-eyed her, but her and her manager <laughs> turned around and saw it. I didn't know that, you know, because oh. I was like, you know. Wow. So, yeah, you know, it's not like, you know, I started a relationship with Kylie like Michael Hutchins did. No. Yeah. You know, I don't think she would have been that keen on me after, after that. After seeing your bum. Yeah, yeah, bum. It's only a bum, though. It's only a bum. That's right. It's not like a penis. You know? No, it's not. That, hey, get, Kylie, look at this. Yeah, I think you would be arrested for that. I think. Yeah. Bum's okay. Bum's okay. Yeah, yeah I think. Yeah. I'm sure it is. <laughs> So, so you are gigging again. It must feel good to be back on stage. Oh, it's great. Yeah. yeah it's, it's really good to be um, controlling an audience. People want to have fun and they want to mm. be led down the path of enjoyment. And so it's good to be up in front of them. It's exhilarating. It is tiring, though, because, for instance, I did a charity gig um, in Adelaide on Sunday to raise money for Support Act, and it was with Dave Gleeson, John Brewster, who I was talking to about. And if you don't know who John Brewster is, of course, he's the rhythm guitarist and one of the main songwriters from the Angels. And he's such a great singer as well. I was like, going, oh, my God, you know, I'm nearly in tears listening to him play and sing. It was brilliant. So it was them and uh, Ross Wilson uh, and Leo Sayer. And a bunch of other people, you know, so it was really uh, a fun night and a great catch-up, you know, particularly with Leo, who I haven't seen in ages, you know, 
and we call one another bastard, but always in an English accent. You know? <laughs> You're a bloody bastard, mate. Is that English? Yeah, no, that's good enough. That's good. Before I got here, right, I was listening to all all the Quiet Boy songs. Not all of them. There's there's so many. There are a lot of hits, and you are a hit maker. What is the art to it? I don't know. It's just you write songs, and I think if you don't listen to people too much, and this is why I'm trying to follow my heart with this and not get caught up in stuff. I'm trying to get back into writing, and I'm on the edge of it, and I've found the chemistry to do it, but I really haven't started properly. Even though I've written about five new songs, I haven't really started. But I think the art is to not get caught up in thinking about it. Neil Young has a saying apparently that says, if you think it, you stink it. Right. Think too much, it's it's Yeah. And it's like I don't think great songwriters think about it. They just write songs. And they don't think I'm a great songwriter or I'm going to be a great songwriter, they just write things. They just go, I'm just being me, instead of being influenced or anything like that. And it's it's hard to do because you go, oh, I want to write a good song now. As soon as you start doing that, you're screwed. You know, it's just – and it's like um, Yellow Brick Road, uh, Bernie Taupin, somebody interviewed him and said, you know, what was it like writing Yellow Brick Road? Because he wrote lyrics, of course, and, you know, Elton wrote the music after the fact. Um and he goes, look, I know that I was present but I have no recollection of doing it because we are talking 75 or mm. something, 74. But he doesn't remember doing it and I don't think that they even begin to think about what they're going to do. They just go, oh, I'm just doing this and I'm just going to do that. And I think Bernie was 17 when he wrote your song, the words to that. I really? Think. Yeah. yeah. Bloody young. That's that's incredible. Very young and it's like – and it's I think that – if you, you were brought up in an environment where you were encouraged to be yourself, that's the secret. I don't – it's not about talent. We've all got talent. I mean, you know, the Beatles, Scows, you know, Liverpool, yeah. they didn't go walk around going, I've got to find John Lennon because John Lennon's going to be the – they didn't do that's that. That's right, yeah. Right? Yeah. They, they, and they're out there all the time. They're, you look around, you're walking past them in the street, people that have got this amazing talent but never discovered, right? They will never know. That they have, and they go, I can't sing. And I go, I disagree. You actually can sing. Right? I go, yeah, but John Farnham's a singer. I go, yes, he is. But uh, Bob Dylan's a singer, right? And he's not like, no offense to John Farnham, I'd much rather listen to Bob Dylan, right? Yeah, there's so much heart, so much emotion. There's that you can hear the struggle in his voice when he sings, can't yeah. you? And so that's what I want to, that's, that's what it is. And it's like, the Beatles, yes, they're geniuses, but the thing is, they're just bloody kids from Liverpool who happen to be at the right place at the right time to find one another. One of the things with the Beatles, one of the things I found fascinating about them is that whenever Paul and John were together writing a song, they finished the song. That's why apparently they had so many songs because every time they sit down, whether it was on a uh, you know keyboard or piano or guitar or even just a bass, they mm. would finish the song that they were doing. It's, it's a great idea, like when Ian came up, Ian, our bass player, Link, came up. Uh, last time he came up, we wrote about three songs and we finished them, right? So there's a lot to be said for that, right? Yeah. Um, and I'm having trouble finishing songs. I've got like three on the run at the moment. I'm having trouble finishing them. But I I seem to remember they would just take a couple of days and I'd, I'd finish the songs. But all I ever used to use was a cassette player. Mm. And pen and paper. When you're writing, when Mark Gable gets into the studio here, guitar first, 
lyrics first, together? How are you writing the song? Well, usually I sit down with a guitar and, you know, just write that way. What I generally do, and I'm grabbing a guitar and obviously... <laughs> this is great. This isn't going to... I don't... Sounds like it's in tune close enough. Close enough. Um, I'll just hang this around my neck. So the first thing that, you know, it's like, you know, like this thing. See, that was just... I'm just going... Goofing around, right? So it's just like whatever comes into your head, the first thing is is the best thing, you know. So you just go. So you go. Well, I love sitting down, but I'm feeling like a clown, and I don't know what the chords are. Guitar is out of tune. If you think it, you stunk it, right? If you thunk it, you stunk it. So the greatest songs in the world, right, weren't written by somebody wanting to be a musical genius. They were just writing a bloody song. Yeah. How many times must a man walk on before you can call him a man? The answer, my friend. It's a country song. And it was like writing stuff and apparently he used to write songs perform in some club in New York because he was an artist he'd go songs are only meant to be heard once they're an art form they're going to be thrown away so he used to write these songs right perform them once and then throw them away I wish I had them in the rubbish bin (laughs) wouldn't that have been good jeez he'd go hey just I'll put them away for you Bob thanks mate in the pocket (laughs) straight in the pocket (laughs) That's that's fantastic, and obviously you played um, Run to Paradise. I was I was sort of thinking I wouldn't come here and talk to you about Run to Paradise because you've spoken about Run to Paradise probably a million times over the years. No, it doesn't bother me because it's like I'm not one of these people, and there are a lot of people out there that won't play their hits, and you know they're offended by the fact. I go, well, you wrote the bloody thing, mm. you know, and they go, da 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 da, you know. But you know, Run to Paradise belongs to you know Australia, really. You can't get away from it. Not that I would want to, but this week I'm in radio, so I do hear it a lot more. But I've already heard it three or four times this week. Um, I think I even heard it in the car today. I even said to uh, some of the people at work, they they said, what are you doing this weekend? I said, oh, well, first of all, after today, um, after I finish work, I'm going to go have a chat with Mark Abel. And uh, from Choir Boys, they say, oh, you know, Choir Boys. And then I said, run to paradise. And then... Yeah, well, it's like I meet people and I go, I'm Mark Gable, and they go, who? I go... I'm a singer from Choir Boys. Who? They're the band that do, does Run to Paradise. Oh, yeah! <laughs> it, belongs to, it belongs to all of us, I guess, you know. Some people hate it. I don't care. I love it, you know, and I still do. And, you know, we created it and it was fun doing it. And obviously I remember more about it because the song is the song it is. And there were other songs I went, da-da-da. But I do remember trying to finish the vocals in two weeks because we spent about a month doing the bass parts and we were running out of time. So, <laughs> But then we redid uh, Run to Paradise, um, uh, the verse vocals, and they're done about two months later. 
with a different producer. So what you hear there is what you hear, the chorus is recorded earlier and the verse is recorded later. Yeah. Okay, I want you to talk me through the magic of that. Yeah. Do you remember where you were when you wrote Run to Paradise? Well, yeah, and oddly enough, um, the chorus was written in Studio 3 at Albert's, right? And then the verse I wrote with the band, I got just got them to play the chords over and over and over again. I wrote all the lyrics. And so, but it was that was four years apart or three years apart or two years apart or something like that. But I do remember having a cassette player being down at Collaroy and walking past the scout hall there. This is when we lived, still lived on the northern beaches and listening to the chorus, right? You know, you don't want... I'm going, that's a hit. That's all I had was chorus, right? I go, we had some other verse to it, I think, you know. So the chorus was the first thing that you had. Yeah, um, you, you recorded and you just kept listening yeah. to that over and over. And they say some of the best magic happens in five minutes. Some people can write the best songs in five, five minutes so overnight sort of thing. But four years, so that must mean that you've known that whole time that this one was worth... Chasing yeah. and uh, getting it right. Yeah, I really loved the chorus. I thought it was a hit chorus. You know, I didn't spend a whole lot of time in between and I was goofing off doing other stuff, you know. And another thing is you can live inside your own head as well. You can go, oh, this is a, this is a hit yourself. But then maybe no one else thinks that. What was it like when you showed it to the producers and, and whatnot? Well, yeah, we recorded it, you know. It's like um, we didn't show anybody. You know, yeah. we just did an album with and Mushroom. What did, they, what did they say? Did they, when they heard it? You know, they said, oh, yeah, that's good, whatever, you know. <laughs> However, Michael Gadinsky, in his wisdom, listened to the album and went, I think it could be better. So I fired the producer we had and we got another guy in from New York and that's when I tarted up all the songs, did the things that I wanted to do and tarted up Run to Paradise and made it more... How I wanted it, and that's yep. what you hear. What yeah. did Gadinsky not? What was it that he wasn't Who enjoying? Knows, you know. Okay. That mix of the album we don't have. You know. Uh, okay. <laughs> Once yeah. again, it's lost. Yeah. It's lost. Just to close off, I'll show you something. Um, you know, it's like learning a song called Empire. The guitar is back. Right. Yeah. So I'm going. I'm going. You know. Uh, So I just cheat, you know, because it's more comfortable. You still got it, and you can get, you can hit those notes. Those notes are so <laughs> high. Well, that time, I got a lot of slim on my throat, mate. Oh, well, Mark Abel, thank you so much for letting me into your thank studio. You, Thanks for telling me the story about um, mooning Kylie Minogue because I've always wondered. Yes. Um, and you did get your bum out and, and moon her. I did, yeah. And I'm, I'm sure that I had showered beforehand and probably hadn't <laughs> we'll done to, a poo. I'll have to yeah. get her on the podcast and see if she remembers if you showered or not. Oh, boy. <laughs> All right, Kylie. Yeah, you got to love you, baby. All right. Mark Gable, thank you so much. Thanks, Sean. Cheers, Shake mate. hands, man. We're shaking. Yeah. We're actually doing it. <laughs> there he is, Mark Gable. Always an interesting chat whenever we get together. He's got so many topics, so many things going on in his head that he wants to talk about, and I love it. I am here for it. I remember he had a show Monday to Friday. It was on 
Triple M Central Coast, formerly 2GO, and it went on for years and years. And uh, he used to just tell these rock stories about the 80s and the 70s and how things were. And I listened every day, every week for years, and I never heard the same story twice. So he's got a lot of stories, Mark. And uh, I reckon we should get him on another time and uh, and see what he's been up to. It's always just a great chat. Um, if you are listening to the podcast, you live in Queensland, Choir Boys are playing the Live and Loud Village Festival this Saturday, 13th of August. It's at Yapoon. So go and check them out. You can grab your tickets at choirboys.net. But now it's time for this. Yeah, I actually got some pretty positive feedback after last week's show, which is always nice. A few of my friends called me and they uh, they said to me, Hey, it actually, it sounds all right. And so, well, thank you. I'm doing my best. Uh, Cam wrote in, good vibes, clean and fresh. Uh, Marv, he actually hit up the Ritzy Kids band on Instagram. He's talking about our songs. He says, I've been listening to your songs for days. You now have one more German fan. Keep it up. Fantastic. Marv, thanks so much. Hopefully you can tell all your friends about us. One day the Ritzy Kids can head to Germany and we can have those big beers with it. You know, the Steins. I love that. There's nothing better than the sun out and drinking those big one-litre beers. Admittedly, sometimes I go a bit warm because I'm not a really fast drinker, but hopefully one day we can head over there and we can enjoy a beer together. Marv, thanks for writing in. If you want to write into the show, hit up info at theritzykids.com. You can write in anything you want and I might read it out as long as it doesn't have too many profanities in it. As for the band, the Ritzy Kids, we are playing a show. The debut show for the band is coming up September 30 at the Bridge Hotel in Roselle. You can grab your tickets from theritzykids.com. It is going to be a spectacular night. Cannot wait. And I'm already seeing a fair few tickets being sold at the moment. So it is so good to have people behind us uh, enjoying what we're doing. We've been jamming really, really hard. I mean, last, what, seven or eight months, we've been just knuckled down inside the rehearsal studio, getting the set list right, getting the songs right. And uh, we've had a few knockbacks already. I mean, we were supposed to play a show back in April, on the 1st of April with Luca Brasi. That fell through. Obviously, COVID had other plans. But This time around, we're doing a headline show, and it's going to be great to see anyone. So if you want to grab a ticket to that show, go to theritzykids.com. And uh, I think that's just about it for episode number two. Thanks for listening. Hopefully, I can have you back here same time next week. Ta-da! Ta-da!